0: full of love. Charity, the pure love of Christ Mosiah 1, paragraph 16 speaks of being full of love. This is what 1 Corinthians 1, paragraphs 51-53 is all about. Charity is the pure love of Christ. This childlike attribute comes from a natural disposition to share love that children enjoy by their native status. As mortals progress into adulthood and experience the disappointments of others' failings, they become less willing to love others. They suspect others' motives. Adults distrust others' worthiness to be loved. They guard against others' potential for causing them mischief. These are learned fears. Little children are too trusting because they find it easier to love than to fear. All men and women found it easier to love when they were children. See also the glossary entries, Charity, Love. Garments Washed White Their garments were washed white through the blood of the Lamb, Alma 10, Paragraph 1. To have white garments is to have the blood and sins of your generation removed from you. To be purified To be sanctified by the Lamb, removing from you, and taking upon Himself, the responsibility to answer for whatever failings you have. This is not ritual purity. This is purity in fact. Gathering of Israel An event that is foretold to happen at the end of the times, when Christ returns. In one sense, any time there has been a restoration since the time of Israel, Father Jacob, the goal has been to gather Israel from their lost and ignorant state. But the final gathering of Israel is to happen preliminary to the return of Christ in glory when the dispersed remnants are grafted in through authoritative sealings using the power of heaven to accomplish, through temple rites, their return to full covenantal status. It is a recreation of the family of God on earth. Generation. The time in which the teaching, religion, or movement remains in an unaltered state. Almost invariably however, the way a new revelation from heaven works is that God will reveal himself in a generation, and then when the prophet or prophets of that time, the mortals living, the messengers, die, what survives cannot be kept intact. It simply cannot be kept in an unaltered, fully preserved condition. You need another Peter or another Paul or another Moses. You need another one with that standing, or it falls into immediate disrepair. While there are living oracles that are in communication with God, that is the best definition of a generation. Uninspired men cannot add to the work of a prophet. Gentiles The word is used in Nephi's writings to include literal descendants of Israel, particularly the northern tribes, once they have intermarried and lost their identities, thereby becoming Gentiles. However, as they convert and remake restored covenants with the Lord through baptism, the same people who were Gentiles at one point become Israel at another, after their conversion. The church restored through Joseph Smith is referred to throughout the Book of Mormon as the Gentiles. Joseph knew this, and the Kirtland Temple Dedicatory Prayer, which came to him as a revelation, explained how the Church was regarded by the Lord, see TNC 123, paragraph 18. All the prophecies of the Book of Mormon upon the Gentiles are references to what the latter-day Gentile Church will accomplish or fail to accomplish. Christ's prophecy, see 3 Nephi 7, paragraph 5, does not anticipate Gentile success the Gentiles will reject the fullness offered to them. At that day when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel does not raise the possibility of if, but only when. According to Christ, the Gentiles shall reject the fullness of my gospel. Taking these words at their plain meaning, it leaves no room for Gentiles to obtain and perpetuate the fullness of the priesthood. They will, instead, reject it when it is offered them but despite having rejected it gentiles are allowed to repent and join the remnant of the book of mormon people and be saved therefore will be unto the gentiles if it so be that they harden their hearts against the lamb of god first nephi 3 paragraph 26 notice that the relationship is between the lamb of god and the gentiles it is not between the gentiles and leaders or prophets or administrators or general authorities or even messengers It is between the Gentiles and the Lamb of God. It's no wonder that after making great promises to the Gentiles, if they will but repent, the angel cries out, Woe be unto the Gentiles! They won't receive, 1, the Gospel, nor 2, the testimony of Jesus, nor 3, the prophets sent to warn them or the message given to them, nor 4, the everlasting covenant offered to them. The Church restored through Joseph may be referred to as Latter-day Israel or similar terms, but the Book of Mormon vocabulary applies the term Gentiles to all members of the Latter-day churches. The Book of Mormon prophecies still do not refer to the Latter-day Gentiles as anything other than Gentiles, even when they are numbered among the Seed of Lehi. In prophecy, their identification remains Gentiles, even though they are adopted as Lehi's Seed. Hence Joseph Smith's reference in the Kirtland Temple Dedicatory Prayer to the Latter-day Saints as Gentiles by identity, CTNC 123, paragraph 18. Whenever a gentile manages to acquire this adoption, they do not become identified as the remnant as a result. Instead, they become heirs to share in the promised blessings, but they do so as gentiles. They will get to assist the remnant, but they do so as gentiles, not as the remnant. Still, those who are adopted as Lehi's seed do inherit, with the remnant, the Lord's promises. But they are nevertheless called Gentiles throughout prophecy. Some of the prophecies outlined for the Gentiles in our day include, The Lord God will proceed to do a marvelous work among the Gentiles unto the making known of the covenants of the Father of Heaven unto Abraham, 1 Nephi 7, paragraph 3. And blessed are the Gentiles if it so be that they shall repent, and fight not against Zion, and do not unite themselves to that great and abominable church, they shall be saved, 2 Nephi 5, paragraph 5. And the Gentiles are lifted up in the pride of their eyes, and have stumbled because of the greatness of their stumbling block, that they have built up many churches, Nevertheless, they put down the power and the miracles of God, and preach up unto themselves their own wisdom and their own learning, that they may get gain and grind upon the face of the poor, 2 Nephi 11, paragraph 15. Woe be unto the Gentiles, saith the Lord God of hosts, for notwithstanding I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day, they will deny me. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me, 2 Nephi 12, paragraph 7. As many of the Gentiles as will repent are the covenant people of the Lord, 2 Nephi 12, paragraph 11. In the latter day shall the truth come unto the Gentiles, that the fullness of these things shall be made known unto them, 3 Nephi 7, paragraph 4. And, thus commandeth the Father that I should say unto you. At that day when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, and shall be lifted up in the pride of their hearts above all nations and above all the people of the whole earth, and shall be filled with all manner of lyings, and of deceits, and of mischiefs, and all manner of hypocrisy, and murders, and priestcrafts, and whoredoms, and of secret abominations, and if they shall do all these things, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel. Behold, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. Third Nephi 7, Paragraph 5. This is to be done after the Gentiles, the European Latter-day Saints who descend from the bloodlines that overran and dispossessed the native people in North America, have rejected the fullness of the gospel. But if the Gentiles will repent and return unto me, saith the Father, Behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel, 3 Nephi 7, paragraph 5. Therefore, when these works and the works which shall be wrought among you hereafter shall come forth from the Gentiles unto your seed which shall dwindle in unbelief because of iniquity, for thus it behoveth the Father that it should come forth from the Gentiles. Not the book which was brought forth in 1830, but the works of preaching the gospel of Christ. Someone must preach repentance, declare Christ's doctrine, and baptize by the authority of Christ, allowing the remnant of the Nephites to be baptized by fire and the Holy Ghost. That he may show forth his power unto the Gentiles for this cause, that the Gentiles, if they will not harden their hearts, that they may repent, and come unto me, and be baptized in my name, and know of the true points of my doctrine, that they may be numbered among my people, O house of Israel and when these things come to pass, that thy seed shall begin to know these things, it shall be a sign unto them that they may know that the work of the Father hath already commenced unto the fulfilling of the covenant which he hath made unto the people who are of the house of Israel, 3 Nephi 9, paragraph 11. All of Israel should recognize this witness. But it does require them to recognize or accept this sign. To be fulfilled, God need only give the sign. But if they the Gentiles will repent, and hearken unto my words, and harden not their hearts, I will establish my church among them, and they shall come in unto the covenant and be numbered among this the remnant of Jacob, unto whom I have given this land for their inheritance. And they shall assist my people, the remnant of Jacob, and also as many of the house of Israel as shall come, that they may build a city which shall be called the New Jerusalem. And then shall they assist my people, that they may be gathered in, who are scattered upon all the face of the land, and unto the new Jerusalem, 3 Nephi 10, paragraph 1. Gift of the Holy Ghost Alma recounts the many blessings the Nephites had received in their generations, having been visited by the Spirit of God, having conversed with angels, and having been spoken unto by the voice of the Lord, and having the Spirit of prophecy and the Spirit of revelation, and also many gifts the gift of speaking with tongues, and the gift of preaching, and the gift of the Holy Ghost, and the gift of translation, Alma 7, paragraph 4. According to Alma, these many blessings come from the Spirit of God and include the gift of the Holy Ghost. If God sustains everything through His Holy Spirit, which is also sometimes called the Light of Christ, then is it not already within you? If it is already within you, then you can decide to receive it by opening yourself up to its influence. If you decide to receive it by opening yourself up to its influence, then you may be able to take it into yourself as a gift from God. If that gift becomes a permanent source of influence within you, then have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost? If this is within you, then is it your own? If your own, then do you have the Holy Ghost as your constant companion? The Holy Ghost can come and visit with a person but not tarry with them. If it comes and visits with them, then it is said the person has received the Holy Ghost. This kind of visit is conditional. It is dependent upon the worthiness and desire of the recipient. If they grieve the Spirit by misbehavior, it will depart from them. For the Holy Ghost to become a constant companion which tarries, it is said to be the gift of the Holy Ghost, because the one with this endowment has received a gift from God, and it is given to them by God to be theirs. Baptism and the Holy Ghost have always been linked together, but laying on hands has not always been included. Baptism and the Holy Ghost are linked whether or not there is someone who can lay on hands to give the gift. Baptism precedes the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost always follows, if the baptism was proper. The only condition for receiving the Holy Ghost is sincere repentance before baptism. If a person is sincere, then the gift follows automatically. Nephi relayed some truth about baptism and the Holy Ghost, and Christ said unto the children of men, Follow thou me. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, can we follow Jesus save we shall be willing to keep the commandments of the Father? And the Father said, Repent ye, repent ye, and be baptized in the name of my beloved Son. And also the voice of the Son came unto me, saying, He that is baptized in my name, to him will the Father give the Holy Ghost like unto me. Wherefore, follow me and do the things which ye have seen me do. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, I know that if ye shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent, repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father that ye are willing to take upon you the name of Christ by baptism, yea, by following your Lord and Saviour down into the water according to his word, behold, then shall ye receive the Holy Ghost. Yea. Then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and then can ye speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel. But behold, my beloved brethren, thus came the voice of the Son unto me, saying, After ye have repented of your sins, and witnessed unto the Father that ye are willing to keep my commandments by the baptism of water, and have received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and can speak with a new tongue, yea, even with the tongue of angels, and after this should deny me, It would have been better for you that ye had not known me. And I heard a voice from the Father saying, Yea, the words of my beloved are true and faithful. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved, 2 Nephi 13, paragraphs 2-3. Therefore, according to Christ and the Father, as reported by Nephi, the steps are. 1. Repent. 2. Be willing to take upon you the name of Christ. 3. Be baptized. And 4. The Holy Ghost will come upon you. There is no mention of laying on of hands, because the process and promise given by Christ and the Father does not require laying on hands. It only requires exactly what Nephi reported from conversing with Christ and the Father. Likewise, in modern Revelation, the Lord explained his gospel while omitting any requirement for laying on hands for the Holy Ghost. And verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receives my gospel receives me. And he that receives not my gospel receives not me. And this is my gospel, repentance, and baptism by water, and then comes the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, yea, even the Comforter, which shows all things and teaches the peaceable things of the kingdom. TNC 23, Paragraph 2. Similar to Nephi's explanation, Christ makes no mention of laying on of hands in this revelation to Joseph, because it is not required. Christ set the example. He was baptized and immediately received the Holy Ghost. No one laid hands on him. The gift was given because of his qualification for baptism. But there have been those who were given conditional authority to bestow the gift. They could only do so by consulting with the Father and Christ beforehand to ensure it was God's decision, not man's, to give the gift. Christ, however, can give the permanent gift of the Holy Ghost by His touch. See 3 Nephi 8, paragraph 10 and Moroni 2, paragraph 1. See also the glossary entry, Holy Ghost. Gift of Tongues The Gift of Tongues Even Cloven Tongues As of Fire, TNC 123, Paragraph 10. This is a strange figure. To cleave means both to stick together, glue, kleben, etc., and also to split or separate. A cloven tongue is a loosened and articulate tongue. The image here employed recalls both the two-edged sword which is the word or tongue of God, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, to the dividing asunder of the joints in marrow, soul and spirit, TNC 16, paragraph 1, and the fiery sword of the cherubim. Karev means sword. The next sentence confirms the use of metaphors, where tongues as of fire is matched by the filling of the house as with a rushing mighty wind. Was there real fire or a real wind? No, but there was something real that can best be described in those terms. We know that things really happened in the Kirtland Temple, where we read also of a sound as of rushing waters and hair as white wool. The Lord can give the gift of tongues, which constitutes the ability to speak foreign or non-native languages. See Acts 1, paragraph 7-8 and TNC 32, paragraph 5, and he is also able to endow men and women with a lucent and articulate tongue, which speaks the words of God. To speak with a new tongue is to speak worthily of sacred things. It is to correctly weigh the truth of a matter, know by the power of the Spirit that what is said is true and in conformity with God's will, and then to speak it. See also the glossary entry, Speak with the Tongue of Angels.